You may be seated. Take your Bibles out and be finding Judges chapter 6 as we continue our series on Gideon this morning. And I wonder, while you're finding that, uh, how many basketball fans do we have among us? Let me see your hands. All right, they shoot up quickly. This is an exciting time of the year for them, especially if they're college basketball fans. As we're moving ever so close to the NCAA uh, championship. And how many of you, be honest about it, how many of you have one of these, a bracket, you're filling it out? Let me see your hands. All right, a couple of you got those. Well, listen, this is an exciting time for basketball fans. I was reading in a book by Pastor Bob Russell, a book written back in 2000 called When God Builds a Church. And the book has been a blessing to me in so many ways, and I haven't even finished reading it. But he talks about in that book when the University of Kentucky basketball team won the national championship. And uh, he's writing back in 2000. He said a couple years ago, I don't know if it was the 96 or 98 season, they won the championship both those years. But he talked about after they won the championship, there was a celebration held for them in the Rupp Arena. And it was a celebration to honor the University of Kentucky basketball team in their national championship. And here's what he said. The audience cheered wildly for each player as he was introduced. The fans carried banners. They painted their faces and proudly wore blue and white outfits. They tried to get autographs. Not one fan walked away that day saying that event was a dud. It did nothing for me. He said the event was a success, not because the performance was great. They didn't even play basketball that day or the player's speeches were inspiring. He says most of them weren't very good speakers. He said it was a success because everyone understood why they were there. The purpose was not to please the fans, but to honor the team. People walked away saying that was great. I hope the team understands how much we appreciate them. Now, I want you to think about that in relation to our worship as believers. He went on to say that the primary purpose of worship is not to entertain those sitting in the pews, but to glorify God. He said most people think about worship in this regard. They kind of see God as the prompter of the worship and and the leader is the performer and the congregation is the audience. That's the way most people view worship. But he says, here's what's actually true. In reality, the leader of worship is the prompter. The congregation are the performers and God is the audience. Totally different from the way many people think. God is the audience. We're the performers. Uh, The worship leader is just a prompter to bring glory to him. Our goal is to please him. Now, we forget that. We forget that. Let's be honest about it. We forget when we come in here, the goal is to please God. It's not about us. It's about him. We're here to please him. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud because I don't want to really know from everybody. But I want you to ask yourself a question. And I want you to honestly answer this within your own mind today. I want you to ask yourself this question and answer it honestly. Why am I here today? I want you to answer that question. I'll answer it out loud. But in your own heart, I want you to answer that question. Why am I here? Not me, you. You're asking yourself. Why am I here today? Now, some of them are honest. Say, well, preacher, mom and dad make me get up every Sunday. No matter how late I stayed up Saturday night and come to church. I don't have a choice. Maybe you're here. You say, well... 
be honest with you, I'm afraid if I don't come to church, if people notice I don't come to church and they'll think badly about me and talk badly about me. Others might say, well, preacher, it's my Sunday to do so and so. I have a job to do and so I came to church today. Perhaps you'd say, well, somebody invited me and I'm here and maybe it's your very first time. Whatever reason you're here, I'm glad that you're here. But listen carefully. Whatever the reason of why you came today, I want you to understand something. Listen real close to what I'm about to say. We're here to worship God. We're here to worship God. We're here to worship God. Psalm 95, 6 and 7 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hands. Now, here's something real awesome that uh, Bob Russell mentioned about worship in that book, and I want you to hear this. We know now that God is the audience, right? He, he's the one who's receiving the worship, and He's the one we're for, and He's the focus of our worship. But here's the real awesome thing I want you to grab a hold of today. He says, it is we, the worshipers. It is we, the worshipers, us today, it is we, the worshipers, who receive the most benefit from worship. We receive the most benefit. What you think about that for a moment? God is complete. God is eternal. God is whole. We glorify Him. We worship Him. We're the ones that really benefit from our worship of God. Did you realize that? And I want to show you that, and I want to show you some other lessons here on worship from our man, Gideon. And I'm enjoying the study of Gideon and uh, looking at what God is doing in his life. And we saw last week how he was a nobody. And because God worked in his life, we know about him now. Uh, we talked about Gideon's world was not the most pleasant place to live. It was filled with regression. They were sinning the people of Israel. It was filled with oppression and depression. And we come again today to Judges chapter 6, and I want to read uh, verses 11 through 24. And we're going to learn some lessons on worship. So let's begin reading at Judges chapter 6, if you found it. If you don't know where it is, start in Genesis, the very first book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Then find the sixth chapter, verse 11. The Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belongeth to Joash the Abzerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Remember, they were being oppressed by the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord, we've learned already, that's the Lord Jesus, we believe, the pre-incarnate Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us to the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Verse 17 says, and I want you to start noticing real carefully. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who, who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out of my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. 
So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terabith tree and presented them. The angel of God, verse 20, said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord uh, put the uh, put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it is still an opera of the Ebzerites. Now, look up here for a moment. We notice there in that verse, he asked this angel of the Lord for a sign. And the question is, why did he want a sign? What was the reason behind this? Some scholars believe that it is because he was weak in his faith. Because of his weak faith, he needed a sign uh, that this indeed was the case of what he uh, was supposed to do. And others say, no, what's going on here is he wanted a confirmation. Uh, He was testing the spirits. He wanted to make sure this truly was the angel of the Lord that was talking to him. And good scholars disagree about which is the case. You know, in all honesty, it probably was a little bit of both. Possibly he was weak in his faith. We'll see as we continue to study. But at the same time, he probably wanted some confirmation because what he was told he was going to do was quite an awesome feat. What I want to do with you for just a few minutes this morning is I want to draw some lessons out of this passage Concerning our worship, we already know that our worship is for God. We're to exalt him and honor him. Describing worth is the idea of worship. We sang this morning to open our service worthy of worship, worthy of praise. And he is. So I want to pull out some lessons here and I'll list them out for you. We'll go through them very quickly today. If you want to jot them down, it'd be great. Number one, I want you to notice this about Gideon's worship. I want you to notice it was for the Lord. Look at verse 18 again in your Bible, if you would. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. We've got to remember what we're doing today is for God. It's for the Lord. Our worship is for God. I know the choirs reminded from time to time when they stand and sing. Yes, they're ministering to us, but ultimately they're lifting their voices in praise to God. When you give your offering, yes, you're giving to support the work of missions in the church here. But ultimately you're giving it to God. It was for the Lord. And so Gideon says, listen, would you wait here while I come and bring my offering before you? Our worship is to be for the Lord. It was for the Lord here in verse 18. What you notice, likewise, it was offered voluntarily. It was offered voluntarily. He says to the angel of the Lord, verse 18, do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. I don't read anywhere prior to that where the angel of the Lord said, listen, go make me an offering. Go prepare something for me. It was voluntarily given. Gideon says, I want to give something to you. Would you wait here while I prepare it? It reminds me that as believers, we should not be forced to worship our God. 
We should have to be forced to come to church. We should have to be forced to sing. We should have to be forced to give. We're to give out of a heart of praise. Listen, we love him today. Why? Because he first loved us. And so our worship should be for the Lord. It should be given voluntarily. But also we are commanded to worship, aren't we? In other scriptures, we're told to worship. We read one earlier. But voluntarily, Gideon gives this offering. We should voluntarily offer our worship and praise to God. Number three, it was costly. I want you to look at verse 19 again. Now, I want you to notice what it says. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour and the meat he put in a basket and then put the broth in a pot and brought them out and presented them to the Lord. Listen, there was no McDonald's. There was no Burger King. There was no anything. Around back then, you can imagine how much of cost it would take to prepare a young goat and also this broth. Remember, they're under oppression. The Midianites have been coming in and attacking and taking their crops and their livestock. And so this was a costly sacrifice to the Lord. I remember elsewhere what David said, should I offer to the Lord that which have cost me nothing? Listen, how much is too much for you to give to God? How much is too much? When God has given so much to us, should we not freely and willingly give? This worship of Gideon's was costly. And it was also time consuming. He had to take the time to go in and to prepare that young goat. And you can imagine, those of you who are hunters, you can really appreciate this, can't you? The time it takes to prepare an animal to cook. He had to prepare this broth. He had to go through the whole process. It was time consuming. Let me ask you, does God have free access to your time? Sad to say, many believers, they have a hard time giving up even an hour on a Sunday morning. And some go to the extreme and give up two hours. They come to Sunday school and church. And some will maybe say, listen, I'm a fanatic. I'll come back Sunday night and I'll come to prayer meeting and I'll give three hours to the Lord. Maybe they'll come back on Wednesday nights and they'll say, I'll give four hours. Listen, how much time is too much time for the Lord? It was time consuming. Do you begrudgingly give your time to God or do you gratefully and joyfully say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm here. Listen, when you come to church. I know it's difficult at times to set everything else aside and focus upon the worship. But this is his time. All of our time is his time, by the way. We're stewards. He holds our lives in his very hand. It was time consuming. Number five, it was done in obedience. Notice what verse 20 says. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock. And pour out the broth. And he did so. This worship was done in obedience. The Bible says we're to worship in spirit and in truth. We know the Bible tells us how we're to live our lives. Our lives are a worship to the Lord. And so we're to obey the Lord in our worship. You obeyed the Lord by being here today, believer. He says, forsaking not the assembling yourselves together. Many here, praise God, obeyed the Lord in giving of their tithes and offerings. Many of you are obeying the Lord in serving him in the areas of ministry that he's called you to do. It was done in obedience. Obedience is the key here. And here's a wonderful point as well. Number six, it was received by the Lord. It was received by the Lord. Verse 21 says, the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand 
and touched the meat and leavened bread and fire rose up out of the rock and consumed the meat and leavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Put this offering on this rock and it was consumed. It was received by God. Listen, we should desire in our worship as believers together, we should desire that our worship is of a nature that it's received gladly by our God. The focus is upon him, not us. The motive behind it is his glory, his honor. It was received by God. I want you to notice number seven. It impacted the worshiper. Verse 21, Gideon. uh, Verse 22, Gideon begins to perceive here what's going on. Now, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. I believe at this time his eyes were open. He realized he was talking to God. Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Does your worship impact you? Will being here this morning have any difference whatsoever in your life? Is this just something we go through? Is it just a motion that we go through? Listen, we're doing it for so long. I was reared in church from the time I was a, a baby, and I've been going to church Sunday after Sunday. Many of you have been going Sunday after Sunday. Does it make any difference in your life? You know, if we're just going through the motions, we're not going to be blessed and impacted the way we could be if we worship in spirit and truth with all our heart. Being in church should impact you. I know I've had days where I didn't want to come to church. You said, oh, you're the preacher. Yeah, I have to come. But there are days I don't feel like coming. Maybe it's been a rough week. Maybe it's a rough time in my life. But I can't tell you how many times I've been in that mood. And yet, when I come and begin to sing praises to God, and I join with God's people and we worship together and we get in the Word together and we sing together, it's amazing how that impacts my life, my attitude, and my mood. And I get excited again about the things of God. What about you today? Maybe you're here today and say, listen, I didn't feel like getting up today. It rained yesterday and it's cold and it's wet. I didn't want to come. But you came. And being here should impact your life. Should thrill your soul. I'm excited to get ready to baptize somebody. That never gets old. That never gets dull. To see a life that's been changed for the glory of God. And someone who stands says, listen, now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. How exciting. It impacted the worship. Eight that brought peace to the worship. Look at verse 23. The Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Peace. Boy, I don't know what's going on in your world, but you come into the house of God. You begin to focus upon your God, the greatness of your God, the glory of your God. How it brings a peace in our lives, a peace in our world. Because we live in a world of turmoil and trouble and trials and problems. Yet we come and get our focus upon our God and there's that peace that's there. We'll add this, number nine. It led to further and future worship. This initial offering he brought out to the Lord, the angel of the Lord, led to him building an altar. Look at verse 24. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. And to this day, the time of this writing, it's still an offering of the Abzerites. He went from his initial offering to building an altar to the Lord. And of course, an altar there would have the idea, would it not, of... Further worship and future worship. 
That's the story of our lives. We worship today, we'll worship later today. We'll worship throughout today. Number 10, we'll just throw this one in there. We look at it in the days to come, but it led to service. We'll see in our next study how this led to service. And he went out and served the Lord and he obeyed the Lord in his service. Listen, as somebody said, worship is not something we do one hour a week. It's a lifestyle we offer to God. I want you to get out of your mind forever that worship is just what we do on Sunday morning. That's what we do from 11 to 12. Hopefully not 12.05 or 12.10. But from 11 to 12 or even a little bit earlier is even better. That's when we worship. And the rest of our life is whatever we want to do. Then we'll come back next Sunday and we'll worship again. Listen, put that idea out of your mind. Worship is not something to do one hour on Sunday morning. It is a lifestyle every day, believer, every hour, every moment, every second to God. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Christians, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Listen, you're purchased with the blood of Christ. You belong to him by creation and by redemption. Your body is his. He says, I want you to give you, I want you to give me your body. Every day. First Samuel 15, 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. When it comes right down to it. Your obedience is greater than the sacrifice. Listen to this one, Matthew 15, 8 and 9. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teachings as doctrines, the commandments of men. Listen, worship is a matter of the heart, a matter of the life. A matter of obedience. Worship is a lifestyle. Now, I know that there are the worship wars that go on today and there are different styles of worship that we talk about. But Bob Russell says something very important. He said authentic worship of God, authentic worship of God is characterized by both a spirit of awe and a spirit of joy. Sometimes we should feel the power of God and the presence of God so much that we could hear a pin drop in silence as we remember God's command to be still and know that I am God. And he said, sometimes we should be so overwhelmed with God's grace that we shout with joy. Both are appropriate. Both are right. A spirit of awe and a spirit of joy. Sometimes there's silence in the very presence of God. Other times they're shouting glory, hallelujah, to the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. To be honest with you, it would be good for radio to shout once in a while. Wake some people up. <laughs> there's a phrase I don't want you to miss in this passage. I want you to look again at verse 18. It says, do not depart from here, I pray. This is Gideon talking to the angel of the Lord, to Jesus. Till I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And I want you to notice what the angel of the Lord said. And he said, I will wait until you come back. I will wait until you come back. 
Do you see how awesome that is, beloved? We believe this is the Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. And it says, Gideon, I will wait for you until you come back. I will wait while you go and prepare this offering for me. I will sit here and wait for you as you bring this offering and this worship to me. God is waiting for our worship, beloved. God is waiting for us to live lives of glory and praise and honor to him. And so the question this morning is this. Is he receiving worship from us here in this place? Is he receiving worship from you and me every day as we live our life for him? Worship is more than just singing songs, listening to a sermon, giving our tithes and offerings and serving in the church. Worship is a lifestyle and worship should be the summation of our life. Your job should be an act of worship to the Lord. Eating lunch today should be an act of worship to the Lord. Driving your kids to school should be a worship to the Lord. You say, preacher, that seems kind of strange. Well, listen to 1 Corinthians 10.31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. I've used this verse over and over again. What does it say? Do all how? To the glory of God. And it's an act of worship. Saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm I'm going to weed the garden today to your glory. I'm going to mow the grass to your glory. I'm going to go to this doctor's appointment to your glory. I'm going to take this test to your glory. I'm going to drive in this horrible traffic to your glory. Now, here's the question. Will you? Will you? Will you do that? Will I? Will we as a church, will we truly live our lives as a worship to the glory of God? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you for this day. We thank you for Gideon and his story. And Lord, I pray. That you would help us to live lives of worship. Not just on Sunday morning, but every day. Father, I pray in this invitation time you would speak to hearts. I pray if there's anyone here today who does not know Christ, today will be the day they come to know him. I pray for believers that you'd work in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.